Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Tinny. And thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today, a really, really cool new brand. You guys are going to love my two guests on the podcast today. I can't even wait for you to meet them. Shoshana and Will Routley. It's so great to have you guys on the podcast. Hello. Well, thank you for having us. I'm excited. Enthusiastic intro. I like it. I love it. I have to dial up the energy. I mean, I can't help it because I love this space. Like we were talking about before I hit record, I just love this industry and what you guys are doing. When I I get to meet such amazing people and you guys have such an incredible background and what you're doing now is so much fun and, and interesting. And gosh, we're going to have a lot of fun unpacking that today. Um, you guys are the co-founders of the Functional Beverage Group. Um, and this is the home of the Healthy Hooch Kombucha and Thrive Remedies. I can't even wait to unpack that um, and how you even got in the industry. But before we do that, you guys have some really cool um, stories on what you did before this. And so how about we start with a little bit of your background before you guys started your own business? Yeah, for sure. Um it's funny because we actually include our story on our bottles because um, we think it's a really important part of who we are and what our values are and sort of where we started and you know what led us to starting a beverage company. But Will and I were both professional cyclists, road cyclists, before we jumped into the beverage world. So cool. Okay, so yeah, and what was that like? <laughs> yeah, it's like sport definitely translates to business. Um, but, but racing road bikes all around the world, it means you pretty much live out of a suitcase. Um, I think we had a storage locker with all our stuff at home in Canada for probably what, five years. We'd come wow. home for a few months and then you'd be, you know, you'd be in, in California for the winter for six years and we were in Europe for winters. Um, so a lot, a lot of experiences in a lot of different areas. Wow. Yeah. And we spent so much time, I mean, because you're an athlete, you're very focused on your health. So we spent countless hours in the grocery store sort of debating what we were going to cook that evening <laughs> the grocery store yeah you'd, you'd go out and do a, a four-hour ride five-hour ride you'd come back and you're like okay we need some groceries and that's what you'd do for fun you'd walk the aisles and look for all these like interesting you know health foods and and functional foods that you could take on the road and and you know unknowingly we were like adding to our own research base for our future business. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so okay, I have to ask like what does it mean to be a professional cyclist? Like what does that even mean for those of us that, that haven't ever been in that sport? Like I mentioned earlier I ride a Peloton, but like but that what does it mean <laughs> to be like a professional in that space? It's an interesting well, being a professional athlete is interesting cuz it's different across many different sports, but for road cycling, you have a culmination of a ton of different sponsors. And then those sponsors pitch in, you know, whatever they are going to for the budget. And then that budget is, um, uh, you know, handled by your director and your, the team owner, and, and it's divvied out for whatever you need. So for salaries or for equipment or, or you know, sure. travel, but everything, that sort of thing. So like any job you apply, you put your resume out there and it's based on, you know, what you've done in the sport, you know, your results, you know, how you are as a team member, all of these things. So I, I think one of the big things is that's it's similar to any other team sport, but the funny part is, is you don't train on the field with a coach with a specific program every day. Sure. You have to go six hours by yourself. 
right. You, follow, you know, you follow a routine that your coach laid out for you, but you have to be really internally motivated to do that on a, you know, it could be scorching hot day or pouring rain, freezing cold day, all those things. And you're, you're out there by yourself. And then you get together with your team at an event or at a training camp. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of funny that it's half, half solo, half team. Right. But you are like your own contractor. You know, you have right. to yourself, you have to go out and apply for these teams. You, you're every year, every single year you're <laughs> wow. negotiating a new contract. So wow. it, you kind of are your own little business. So we learned a lot that way. And you're communicating with a ton of different people. Like your sponsors have all different backgrounds and you have to be able to communicate with them and, you know, have conversations and be personable and all of these things. So there is a lot that you learn in sport when you're dealing with a ton of different people with different backgrounds totally um I, and you know i don't think and I, I don't think you could really understand it unless you've lived it you know what i mean i think it's one of those things that it's hard to put yourself in that shoes even with you telling me that it's just interesting um so you guys did that for 10 years which is amazing right yeah. at least right yeah we, did, yeah we did it for 10 years together um will actually was a professional mountain biker before he transitioned to the road and he wow. started like like, yeah, it was a little longer for me. I mean, we moved to Whistler when I was a kid at 10. And Whistler, for those who don't know, is the big number one ski resort in oh, North yes. America. <laughs> yes. I'm ready to go there. I just told you, I've, I've been trying to yeah. get a trip up there, but it got stopped with COVID. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. I know. It's terrible. You have to. But I mean, in a lot of ways, it's almost better in the summer than it is. In right. The so That's what we're going to do is come up for the summer. Yeah. So as a kid, you just, you got it. I started mountain biking and start to realize you have a bit of a knack for it and start training and racing. And I mean, really it was from 13 years old till gosh, went till we retired mm-hmm. um, a few years ago. It was probably 15, 16 years of nothing but pedaling. Wow. <laughs> so, and so where do you compete in either the road bike or the mountain bike world? And then we're going to transition to your business, but I'm just intrigued because I, and I haven't, I, I, and I know this sounds crazy, but the nearly 350 episodes, we haven't had anybody on that has your background. So I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I suppose we've competed almost all over the world. Really. Yeah. That's, well, I mean, we both, it is like we both raced on a Belgian team for a year. Oh, wow. Um, we lived in Spain and like Spain and well, Girona specifically is like a cycling hub. So there are tons of professionals who train there. Um, cause the weather is so amazing and the drivers are really respectful and there's just so many other aspects about that area that are, that pull a lot of athletes in. Um, but we lived in France for, for a season and we actually spent a lot of time in California. Um, our last like couple seasons were there and then we spent, I think four seasons before that. So yeah, that kind of feels like a second home. I know. <laughs> I'm, sure. Ever, I'm sure. I'm sure. We raced, you know, the, the tour of Thailand, the tour of Malaysia. Oh my gosh! Of, of the whole peninsula of, of Korea, like it's it's pretty wild where where sport can take you. It's That's really so cool. Neat. And on the bike, like you just see so much more of an area, and you really get to know what this, you know, the culture and the society is like outside of a city. And you just, yeah, you just cover so much ground and you really get a good sense of where you are and, and what a place is about. That's wow. so cool. Um, what a great experience. So um, you both have careers in this, this uh, I'll say the sport, and then you decide afterwards to start your own business in the beverage space. Like, what did that look like? Was it, uh, was it awkward? Like not training and traveling every day and not living out of the suitcase? So, you know, what was that transition oh. like and how did things get started? You know, well, based just answering what you you asked there, 
transitioning was a bit difficult, but we jumped right into business and it was just full on. And we had no time to think about what we did, you know, what we were like losing with sport. Um, but not going away. Like now we're like, Oh, that was a good life. Like right. traveling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That last, was really good. <laughs> yeah. Especially the last year and a half of not traveling. Like you just realize, like, Oh, being on the road is so exciting. Like everything all the time. Yep. And like when you're doing sport, like you're just going out there and you're training super hard and then you're recovering. So you feel really good, even though you're exhausted from the training. Sure. When you, when that's all you do. And when your focus is eating well, sleeping well and making sure you're <laughs> right. recovered, like you feel good all the time. Like, it's, it's, Yeah. And nowadays, like we don't have as much time to go out and exercise every single day or to put in as many hours. So you're just kind of like, okay, let's sneak out for a 30 minute run just to get the blood flowing in. Right. Yeah, that's well, something I definitely miss. I mean, I'm business sure. is so funny because you, you're still just as goal oriented. Right. And I was going to say, do you still kind of operate that way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the rigor, the routine, the message, the process, you know what I mean? Like that's oh, exactly. exactly right. Yeah. But the difference is in this case, you don't have to necessarily be a hundred percent optimal all the time. So you can just work 16 hours in a day Got and it. be exhausted. And you're like, well, I want to get the job done. So you do it again next day. <laughs> it does eventually catch up with you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm sure. But as an- as an athlete, like it's kind of surprising over the last four and a half years, I'm shocked by how much we can push ourselves. Like we've been kind of running ourselves ragged the last few months. Cause you made this massive move in December to this much larger space with this much bigger farm and, and producing, you know, more than double what we were in our, our previous space. And I'm just shocked. I'm like, wow, I feel like we're not getting sick. Like right. we're not overly run down and we're just, we're kind of handling the workload, which probably helps from having like an endurance background. I bet that's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So talk about building or starting a business and why the beverage space and, and why in this category. Right. Um, so on the road, when we were in California, we discovered kombucha like 15 years ago, more than that now. And we started drinking this beverage. We're like, wow, this is like super low in calories it tastes really good. It's, it's different than anything we've ever had. And it's got tons of health benefits. So as you know, as an athlete, you're like, okay, well, I can take this to a barbecue and have this instead of a beer or a cider. And then you find yourself becoming addicted to this beverage because it just has these addictive qualities. Um, but we were, yeah, we drank it for years. And then when we were racing in Bend, Oregon, this was probably like nine years ago. Now, uh, Mm. we saw it at a Seven Eleven on tap. Mm. And at that point I was like, wow, like there were no On brands. Top. Interesting. Yeah. And there yeah, were no brands in Canada at the time. So, you know, this little seed was growing. I was like, what, like, why isn't this popular in Canada yet? Like there are so many brands in the States and it's on tap at a Seven Eleven. you know? Right. I mean, so we thought we'd be very novel bringing it to Canada. <laughs> right. So <laughs> why not? <laughs> but man, did it ever explode oh, just right yeah. before our eyes. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it, it's funny, like the trends slowly work their way up the West Coast. So I think California is probably five years ahead of the Canadian market. Sure. In so, all. So, got yeah, it. Okay. Like, that makes sense. And especially when it comes to like health and wellness products, you know, mm-hmm. natural products, that type of thing. There's so many things. We stay in a little town called Sebastopol and there's like multiple brands of health products that come out of this little town in, in Northern California. Um, and it takes five or six years before people even know they exist in Canada. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. 
funny that way. So you knew you had something that people wanted. How did mm-hmm. you go from, hey, we should bring this to Canada to, I mean, like literally making a product and packaging it and your cool bottles and all that? Like, how did that, how did you figure that out? Yeah. So, you know, when the seed was planted and we saw this at 7-Eleven, that was just like, I was like, we should start a kombucha company. And we didn't retire for another like five years. Because you're still doing so, the, the bike circuit. Yeah, yeah. So it just wasn't even a possibility. And then, you know, I think it was like 2015, which one when did we buy our first property? So in 2016, actually we bought our first farm. We bought a farm. We hadn't oh, bought wow. any. Got it. We'd just been living out of a suitcase and, you know, we'd stay with Will's parents for like a month when we were back or we'd stay, you know, we'd be renting a place in California for a period of time. So we hadn't actually had like a stable place to come home to. Sure. Um, so we wanted that. We wanted just something that was ours and we wanted to have a bit of land. So we purchased this like two acre farm and we started like dabbling in farming. And and that was before we started our beverage business. So we were, we we were farming and we were racing. So (laughs) kind of not doing the farming that well, but still spending most of our time racing, but you know, we grew garlic and we ended up like raising pigs and chickens and pasturing cows and and sort of dabbling in the farming world. And, we were th- you know, we were thinking, okay, maybe we can start a business in farming. And then we were like, well, this seems very difficult to do it organically and to like, to do it well. So right. we kind of just, when we retired from sport, we're like, maybe we should pursue starting this kombucha company. Like maybe we could, maybe we should do this. And in all our naivety, we decided to start a kombucha company. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Well, but also though, doesn't it, I mean, it wouldn't, I would think you'd need after being in a sport that required investment and time and like focus and energy and travel and and all that, like I'm now farming. and it's farming. <laughs> like, I mean, like nothing wrong with farming, but like I almost think like this is don't you kind of you guys need this right i mean this is like you have a cool idea and it's like fun because you can like put all that energy into it and focus on it and uh, right i mean i would think you're you're right farming (laughs) is slower paced it's you know i love the hard work of it like i like getting out there and i like pulling weeds and and just digging holes and just getting (laughs) it's 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 exercise and you feel good and i like having like the dirt on my hands and getting all those and there's so many benefits to being outside in the dirt. Oh, yeah, no so doubt. like, that's something that we love, but yeah, it is slower, slower paced and it, and it is a lifestyle. So we're like, do we want to do, do we want that to be our business? Sure. Um, so we've kind of like incorporated a little bit of both. We've started to grow ingredients for our beverages on our farm here. Oh, that's cool. Growing, yeah. So we're growing perennials, like investing in, you know, raspberries and black currants and cherry trees to, to go into our products and then herbs for our teas. So we've, we've still kept the farming side, but our focus is on our on the know, product our, now. Yes. All right, cool. Yeah. So how did you figure out how to put it in a bottle, how to make it production ready? You know, or how did you figure out where are you going to sell it? How are you going to take it to market? All of that. Right. So, I mean, show kind of comes up with a, a recipe idea or a flavor and, you know, basically said, let's do this. Yep. And then I look and say, okay, what, <laughs> what exactly does this take? Right. So, so then you jump in and, you know, both of us are researching feverishly all the time. Um, and, you, and you look at what others are doing. And at the beginning, of course, we toured beer breweries, wineries, kombucha. Like we looked at how people are doing it, what equipment they use a the whole bit. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you know, you just have to do it. So we thought, let's, let's get the equipment. We started with 200 liter tanks, which... What's that in gallons? Uh, you know, <laughs> that's okay. Keep it in liters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So like a 50 gallon kettle and, and you start boiling up some batches and, and away you go. Um, and I mean, we, we did research a lot and yes. in that, in those early days, it was actually pretty amazing how quickly we turned out a good product. Um, but we definitely had to dump probably one batch, one big batch. <laughs> it was big for us to yeah. find. I mean, now it's just waste. It's just, right. you know, that's just normal. The time was a big deal. It was, it like, was. Oh, this is it was depressing. You're like, no, oh, like, I know. Dump so the garden and just poke into the, to the grass. It was, oh no. Um, but I mean, it's, <laughs> the it was grass. a lot of, right. yeah. yeah. And then of course, kombucha is really vinegary. So it killed right. the grass. <laughs> right. We didn't think about that before we poured it out there. <laughs> and that was a reminder for months after this big blood patch of our waste, <laughs> our 600 Jeez. meters of waste. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And that grass is not growing back anytime soon. No, no. But I mean, it was trial and error. It was research and trial and error. And you got it. Keep working, keep perfecting. And I mean, it's been almost five years and it's still like that. You keep perfecting every time you're monitoring, you're looking at the back. You're trying to adjust uh, little micro adjustments of the temperature of the time you ferment or how long you mix in the herbs. Got it. And it's been, it's, it's gotten easier year after year. And, you know, the more your budget grows, the more you can invest in HR for people that are like food scientists and that they can help you and really zone in on like what these like intricate differences are in your, in, in your uh, fermentation. Um, But until you get there, it is trial and error. It's taste testing all the time. It's doing the pH. It's monitoring the temperature. Things that are in your control on a, on a small budget. So that's sure. what we've and, and trusting taste. It's yes. amazing how your your taste and smell. Um, Trishana is super sensitive, so she's kind of our key taster. But but all of us, every we pass it around. Five or six people will taste things sometimes, and you just want to see their reaction on their face. Mm-hmm. Got well, it. and I didn't realize like starting like I knew I'd always had a super sensitive palate but I didn't realize how sensitive and I didn't even know that, that there was a term for it, Right. Uh, but it's called a super taster. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a super sensitive palate. Like I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the name for it. It's amazing. It's like, anyway, sorry. I'm just being silly. Yeah, <laughs> the super taster. Anyway. People with sensitive palate are called super tasters. And like, you like measure the amount of taste buds on a certain area of your tongue. And like, I did it, but I, you know, I didn't even have to, but I just knew that I had a super sensitive palate. You know, sure. I can taste mold on bread before it eats it. And, right. you know, like when I, I was growing up. I eat mold on bread, but. Yeah. Well, no, no you, but, but it's not even there. That's the problem. That, she, she can oh, taste it before. It's before it's even on the outside. Oh. Before yeah. you can even see it. So like oh. when I was young, I'd be like, mom, this bread's moldy. And she'd try. She's like, no, it's not. It's fine. <laughs> and I'd be like. Oh like no, but you were the moldy. super taster. I mean. Well, they they thought I was so annoying. They're like, what is wrong with this kid? Like. <laughs> so funny. I. <laughs> By the way, I can now call you show because Will did. Um, so, oh, it's, so, but there's more than just kombucha. Talk about also the juice press. So, like, you started with the kombucha, but what, what, how the juice press come in? I love this flavor: strawberry lemonade, blueberry lavender lemonade. Like, this sounds amazing. Like, you know, how did you decide to our expand? Lem- well, it's funny. Our lemonades actually started at the beginning of COVID because we oh. lost, you know, quite a bit of sales in restaurants because we right, sell it. By of course, the got so it. Then we're like, hey, how can we like? you know, get on top of this, like, what can we do? So we started to come up with these lemonades that would be like a seasonal thing for us. So that's how the lemonades came around, but we actually started thrive remedies just before that. So I would say thrive remedies and healthy huge are two main um, beverages. Actually, to be honest, the last few months thrive has surpassed it. It's becoming our, our biggest selling item and it's growing really quickly because it's very innovative. So I think that's why it's taken off. Yeah. And well, we've only like Thrive has only been on the market for just just a year, just about a year. Got it. 
interesting. Yeah. And well, there were a lot of reasons to start Thrive. I like the packaging Thrive. too, by the way. Hey, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I do all the branding, so <laughs> I, love I, I love that. I, I love, love that. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> well, I love it too. Like I anyway. I, that's, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. But when no. you're when you're bootstrapping and you're starting something small, you do a lot. It's hands on. Yeah. You're yourself. Unfortunately, yeah, we're able to. To make it work. So when did you know, like, so you've been doing this a couple of years now, was there a point where like, okay, this is working. Like this is, this can be like our thing versus it being kind of an interesting hobby and, you know, dumping out the initial mix on the grass. Like, you know, when, when did it, was there a point where you're like, Hey, I think, you know, this is, we can be all in on this. We don't have to go back right. to riding bikes. To be honest, Justin, right from the beginning. Oh, wow. That, that okay. was always a, like, there was never a, let's try this out and see how it goes. It's like, no, Let's do this. Yeah, sure. we're not sure of commitment. I mean, we know. I know. No, I guess. Hold on. But so, my question though is not were you all in? It was more of like when did you know you like you were getting the sales or the access to restaurants or stores, and you're like, okay, like people are picking this up now. Like this is it's not just a little hobby. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think being so goal oriented, you're always looking towards the, the next, next thing. Yep. <laughs> sure. You never, you're, 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 the next you stage. Never, Did I say that exactly. right? Is that right? The next stage when the next in stage. biking? Yeah. Okay. Got it. It's kind of a fault. Like you're never, <laughs> right. you know, I think I, I, I envy people that are so content, you know, they're just content to do whatever they're doing and they're just happy. Like they have no goal. Like, right. I don't, I don't know how to say it. They're just, I, so, okay, here's the word I would use and tell me if this is wrong. So like I, I'll turn this back on me, which I don't like to do on podcasts, but I will for just a moment. Um, I, I get restless. So like I, it's a restless, like I status, I'm not a status quo. Like I, I can't just run something. I like to build. And if it's this building, I want to build the next thing. And then the next thing, like you almost have that drive, right? Yes. And I, I don't think everybody, it's like a personality type, um, you know, a lot of times I hate that I can't be content, but most of the time I'm just so focused on the goal that I don't even think about it. Hey, that's but why I, I didn't see the farming working out. I mean, like we are going outside to farm. Of course, it's like, <laughs> I got to build this and we have the next product. I got a new package. I need a new label. I mean, our logo, like, you know, the logo is good right now, but you're like, whoop, 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 whoop. what's next? Yeah, what's the next store? Never, and then, how do we get into the U.S. market? It's never ending. It's right. I'm sure. Up. Never, it's like, oh, you're gonna, you just had a big success. Are you gonna pop the champagne? And once right. you get it, it doesn't even feel like a success because you're already thinking about the next goal. Yeah. And it's not relevant anymore. Well, and it's funny because we moved from our last property in December and we were at a place in our business where we're like, okay, we're doing well. Like our business is making money. And it's like, okay, do we, because we had maxed out our space there. We could not grow right. anymore. We could not produce anymore. So it's like, okay, we're doing well. Like we're profitable. Like, what do we do? And at that point, we just decided like, okay, well, we need to make the next step. Next. And instead of taking like one step forward, we decided to take five steps forward because there was <laughs> like great opportunity in this great property. And we're like, let's just let's do just it. Go so now, all in. Yeah. So now we're like right at the beginning again, we're like, have this massive space. Now we need to fill it out and, 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 you know, get the sales up. And so we're kind of right back at the beginning and we're like, I think we just do this to ourselves. Right. Like, <laughs> I, think I don't know, I don't know that you could turn that off. I mean, I don't, the people that I meet like you guys, it's, it doesn't turn off. Right. It's just kind of the next thing. It's the next, I got the next thing. Um, 
It's so exciting. Um, what, so looking ahead here, as things are, are moving again in the market and whatnot, like what what are the keys to your growth and and you know let's say the next six to twelve months? Well, it's funny. We really noticed even just in the last six weeks, there's a lot of activity again. Like things oh, are open. totally. All of a sudden, restaurants and cafes are ordering like crazy. It's like holy smokes! Um, right, and we're starting to actually get action with with distributors. Yep. Um, taking off the product. We have meetings with a broker in the States. We're actually going to be uh, looking at ha- having Thrive in the U.S. market. Awesome. Really yeah, mm. we're super excited about that. One of that. the biggest grocers have asked for samples. We have a meeting in a week. Um, so there's so much happening all of a sudden. And it's like you you actually realize just how much of a pause we were on for the last year. Yes. So, I mean, our heads were right. just in growing our space and building the business. But now it's a super exciting time because people are back to work and things oh, are yeah. things are moving. Well, well even totally, like, totally. like yeah, grocery stores were sort of putting a pause on listing new products mm-hmm. and like over COVID and everything was so delayed. So... Yeah, it, it is. We are. Well, they were really trying to keep the store stocked. With, you know, that's people right. were overbuying yes. up front, as you guys know. And it's like, oh my God, we stop all and everybody stock shelves, you know, those that are at work. Anyway, it's crazy. But exactly. You're right. We're seeing the same thing in different markets. Um, well, and across, they have yeah. like catch up. Right. You you're know? right. So, yeah. yes, it that initial like frenzy of buying happened for the first three months, but then it faded. But now all the stores are playing catch up. So that you know, pushes that, you know, that creates an even bigger delay. Um, I love it. Well, it's nice. There's time for innovation again now. Yeah. Um, sure. You're not just stuck trying to frantically keep up with, you know, toilet paper and right. bread. paper towels. <laughs> right. Stuff, exactly. Right? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> seriously, like, anyway, I won't even go there. Um, so, <laughs> did we all know the washer but, like way more? But you know, what's funny, like, even though I, I, it's easy to say, well, you know, I can't imagine people did that, but I don't know about you guys, but when I saw it on the shelf last year, I was like, maybe I, I should take a little extra. <laughs> you know, they, since they have it at Costco, I, I might as well just, and, just in case one day i'll use it I mean, yeah. yeah well it's funny we didn't we made that mistake <laughs> right we were, like, down was... to, like, we were down to the last square we were like oh no <laughs> so inappropriate <laughs> we're not supposed to be talking about that we're talking about computer. Um, it's hilarious um i okay so you guys are a couple years in you've got some great growth i can't wait to see where this is going to go for you guys um and but I always love to ask our guests, like, what would be one or two of the biggest lessons learned um, that you share with our our listeners? Remember, you got a lot of entrepreneurs listening, people that are like working for they're 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 doing the biking thing now, and they're thinking about starting their their company. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what would be one or two things you guys would offer to them in terms of advice, things that you've learned? I feel like you can do a lot. You know, I did all the websites, I did all the branding, I taught myself. You know, with when it comes to the production side, will research like he's virtually a full-on plumber and an electrician and he's learned how to do all of this stuff just through a pile of research and it's amazing what you can do if you focus and you just use all the resources we have today like we we could not build a business like this 25 years ago 20 years ago like we're in a very lucky position that we have access to so so many resources um yeah, I mean that's a good point. Bringing in experts are really expensive, and when you're starting out, you got to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the other one I would throw in there though is just in general manufacturing. Don't underestimate it. It's, right. It's so capital intense. It moves so slowly. 
Um, and you, you, you buy a machine and you think, okay, you'll follow the manual and run the machine. Right. And then you learn, no, nah, <laughs> nah, you pretty much need like an experienced technician to run, to this run it. Oh yeah. my God. Really well, and in the beginning, our growth was limited by our production and our manufacturing. So if you're starting out with a brand, you have to keep that in mind. If you are going to produce it and manufacture it, your growth will be limited by how much you can put into that manufacturing. Whereas if you have someone who co-packs your product, the sky's kind of the limit. Like sure. you can get your product out there, you can see how it does. And then, you know, it, you know, if it starts to do well, then you just keep buying more and more product from a co-packer. It's, and you have to focus on marketing and branding. That's it. Got it. Which is, I love it. I mean, that is just, it's yeah, a nice and I thing. think that there's two other things I picked up earlier. One is like, you were all in from day one. Like this was not a little hobby. We're going to try this out. We were, we were going to do it. We, and, and I think that's something that not everybody goes into with that. Right. I think that was no. something else I picked up. Um, and then knowing that you're going to make mistakes and, and have to pour out the, the liters of stuff on the grass. Right. I mean, that's just going to happen when you're making a new product. Exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think when it comes to mistakes, we've never really, you don't even consider them a mistake. I mean, right. that's, that's fair. It's fair. That, learning experience. Yeah. People yeah. say that and it's true. Like it's just learning and, and you right. just keep moving forward. If you're sitting there dwelling on it, you're wasting time. Exactly. <laughs> so, you just got to make the decision as to what you're going to do next. Yeah. And you need to make that decision quickly because you just need to rectify the situation. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably what we've done well is just, yeah. That's not, great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, I love it. All right. Um, Show and Will, share with our uh, audience where they can find you, connect with you, buy your product, check you guys out, you know, connect with you, all all that. Yeah. So all of our websites have our locations and everything. So it's healthyhoochkombucha.com and it's drinkthriveremedies.com. We also are on Instagram. We're dabbling in the TikTok area. The TikTok. (laughs) That's like (laughs) so funny. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's, um, that's great. Yeah. Super excited for you guys. Um, so glad you guys could come on our podcast. Uh, you got to come on down the road and share more stories with us. Um, I would love to. Seriously, it's been great <laughs> meeting you guys and learning from you guys and like so much potential in front of you, so much runway. I can't even wait to see like where this goes. So anyway, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having us. This was, this was fast, but it was fun. Yeah, no, it was great. Thanks a lot. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.